Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matt Carroll. I am Jeff Randall. And we are here tonight to discuss the Marvel Cinematic Universe, specifically Captain America, the first Avenger. The first Avenger. We're continuing tonight our rewatch of Phase 1, which we're almost done with, and then Phase 2 of the movies we have not yet reviewed. So, uh, hold on to your seats. (laughs) Hang on to your butts. Yeah. Um, Well... I, we're, we're we're not doing any news tonight. No feedback. We're just going right into the cap. I do want to mention one tiny bit of feedback that came in this morning. Yeah, sure. Uh, Noel on Twitter talked about how um, this was just what she needed on a Monday morning is to have headcanon about uh, Thor having a Midgard fetish. <laughs> uh. Yeah. And I was like, you didn't know that you needed it until now, did no, you? That's my favorite piece of headcanon from this week, I think. <laughs> it's my, I think it might be my favorite piece of headcanon ever. Yeah, he just picks himself up another lady. It's real <laughs> sad, honestly. It's just a sad piece of headcanon. Okay. Headcanon, trademark, DC On Screen Podcast. Um, <laughs> I want to debate with them. Yeah, I... We're, we're, we don't ever need to debate them. Well, we'll wait till their phase one of the DC movies is over, and we'll debate them then. Okay, that's fair. The, they've got no no ammo at this point. They really don't. That's why we need to debate them now. <laughs> hit, them with, <laughs> hit them while they're weak. <laughs> Take them, them out early. Um, all right, all right. So, Captain America, the first. Spoiler Avenger. alert: Captain America, first Avenger. Here we spoiler go. Spoiler alert: nineteen forties. <laughs> Um, Jeff, this wasn't a documentary. Oh, it wasn't? No, sir. Crap. I gotta go rewatch it. I might have watched the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> what did you watch? <laughs> All right. I don't know. There were Nazis and Jews. Like They do a great job in this movie. Uh, in all of phase one, like the first, uh, everything but Hulk, they start non-chronologically. Yeah, all all three of those movies, and I think it was a big strength of all three of those movies. They started in a weird. They, they the first movie is all cut up and out of order, and I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. This one especially did a great job because when he wakes up in the final sequence, you're not sure where he, you're not. You're really not sure because he could actually be in the forties. Yeah, or it could be some sort of dream sequence. Like it's a weird moment when he wakes up. It's hard to see past that now, but like first time it ever happened, it's like what what's like, going on. Wait a minute. What? Why is, is this happening in his in head? head? Yeah. It, is it, this it, the microverse? <laughs> oh, <it's> so sad. <laughs> I'm just uh, thinking about... Th- th- I really loved this. I loved this movie. Uh, rewatching it, I think Captain America might be like competing now for me yeah. with Iron Man as my favorite it's so good. of the series. And you know, on first watch, I remember uh, whenever I first watched this... Way back, you know, in 2011, way back in the day. And I was like, this feels like the most disconnected of the Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like in phase one. But then like retrospectively going back and watching it again, it's like, oh, my God, this is the most connected one. Oh, yeah. Like it sets up everything for sure. For sure. Which first one of the first scenes, not the first scene, but one of the first scenes I wanted to point out, I think might be like a decade long foreshadowing. Uh we know that Red Skull at the end of the movie takes off in his little uh, uh he grabs onto the tesseract and disappears into what looked like the cosmos. It really did. The first scene like, when he pulls did you did you notice there. what he's pulling out of the wall when he pulls the he goes to the 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 engraving of Idrisil in the first scene yeah, it, it was the Midgard it. serpent. Yes. But I think that might be foreshadowing uh, him being Hydra, like a serpent wrapping around uh, the the Idrisil, the tree of tree of life. Yeah, it's the the life tree. I think that Which might be tree. foreshadowing that he might have something to do with like cosmic events in the future. Maybe. What does the tree of life exactly stand for? It's it's the world tree. Uh, it's technically the world tree. It's the tree that connects all of the realms that's, to that's, each other. That's what I thought. So, I don't know. It just seemed like maybe he's got a larger role to play in the future. Which, 
I, I think he does. At some point, we're gonna see Red Skull again. Oh we, yeah, we better. He's not dead. I feel like we could, you know, we could not see Abomination ever again. Not a huge deal. I would be upset, but no one else would be. <laughs> uh, we could definitely never again see the leader. Um, like those are small threads they they left like loose loose enough they could tug on them later, but they definitely don't have to. Yeah, Red Skull they have to. <laughs> it's it's imperative. Cap's largest villain, and yeah, arguably yeah, it's Cap's largest villain, and he disappeared into the cosmos. Very clearly transported. We even saw in Avengers. I mean, it looked like a rainbow bridge going. Absolutely, up. and. You know, at first I was, uh, whenever I was remembering it, I was like, oh yeah, he kind of, like, it kind of, like, beamed him up, zapped him away, whatever. Yeah, it might have been that he just got spaghettified and killed in that way, but sure. whatever. You know, it's but funny. now watching it I think again, he, it's like, it opened up. The f oh yeah, it absolutely. Was I think the first time I ever watched it, I was like, oh, that's neat. Oh, he got it disintegrated, <laughs> big deal, or whatever. But rewatching it, Knowing what I know about the MCU, seeing the cosmos, knowing what the Rainbow Bridge looks like, knowing that they use the Tesseract in the next movie to basically do the same thing to get Thor and Loki home. Yep. Uh, and to get Loki to the Tesseract. That's right. So, he's... Yeah. And they talk about it being a gateway in Avengers. Yeah. All this stuff is later. And that's why we're doing this rewatch. We're watching these movies with the knowledge we have now. What does all this stuff mean? Yeah. We're not trying to get in the headspace we were in then. Yeah. <laughs> I I cannot imagine that they're not going to bring Red Skull back. And I'm excited because they've waited this long. Yeah. I love when a villain disappears for a while and then comes back unexpectedly. And I mean... If he he could show up in Civil War, and I would not be surprised. I mean, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be. It would be perfect. I would love it. Or 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 even he could be part of Ragnarok, or uh, part of you know. Now that he's out in the cosmos, he could be a part of any any of these movies. He could be he could be in Guardians too. He really could be. <laughs> you say it jokingly, but he could be on Thanos' side in Infinity War. You know. Ooh, Ugh. that's dangerous. Or he could be against Thanos in Infinity War, like trying to stop because like, no, you can't destroy the Earth. I want to rule it. <laughs> um, you know what the really just horrible thing about that is? What is, is Hugo Weaving has said that he never wants to do that role again. I know, and he was so good. He was on my first watch years ago. Actually, honestly, I've seen it a few times since, and I always thought he didn't have. They didn't give him enough to do yeah. in the movie. Yeah, but on watching it. To, to today, I was just like, "That's he's great. He's yeah. a gr when he is uh, at the control panel, explaining his plan to destroy all of the world while calibrating the weapon to kill the men he's explaining it to. Yep, that was so spot on, so perfect. <laughs> and how he kind of like looks away for a second to kind of be like, oh, yeah, 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 squinting good. his eyes, looking <laughs> like." Ooh, but he's like all the while just speechifying. Yep. It's it's like villains do; they speechify. Uh, but normally it's so that the uh, good guy can get away. But in this case, he was speechifying to distract him so he could kill them. <laughs> like it was unexpectedly. It was so good. So, Everything so good. he did in this movie was incredible. Like even like you may have thought that he didn't have enough to do, but he was the perfect looming villain for all of it. Until, I mean, honestly, right up until the end when he had, like, there was a little bit of a fight in the base. He, you know, took out some whatever soldiers. He got to his plane. There was a big fight on the plane. Like, oh, everything he did was incredible. Yeah. I really I really loved him. It was really great. I still feel like he was underutilized in the sense that I love Hugo Weaving. Um, but as a villain, he's he's a great, complex villain. Like, he's wonderful. Maybe not complex yet. But I think if he came back, he would be. Everybody talks about how great Loki is as a villain. But part of that is he's been in three movies. Yeah, he's, like, he's had time to develop. He's had screen time. I agree. In the first movie, they did a great job setting him up. But he also came back in Avengers. And he also came back in Thor The Dark World. And, and so... And he's also going to come back in Ragnarok. Yeah. So in, in retrospect, he looks like the most well-developed villain for sure. That's because he's been in everything. Because he's had time to be developed. Even when um, Arnim Zola came back 
in Cap Two. Yeah. Even even though he wasn't himself, he was a big machine. I uh, I immediately was like, I felt more connection to him. He felt like a much bigger, larger scope villain just by appearing twice. You know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain thing that like you gain credibility as you're on screen longer, and as you, I don't know. The weight of the other movies. That's the strength of having such a tight canon. Is that the strength of one movie leads into the next movie, and you get that like that continual character development. Like for instance, using Arnim Zola as the the example here, in the beginning of the movie, he was scared of what. Um, what the Red Skull was doing, what the implications were. For sure. But, like, as it built farther and farther into the movie, he was like, he can do it. This guy can do all of these things that he wants to do, and he wants me to be on his side, so I'm going to be nice. Well, see, that thing, I don't I don't think he ever stopped being scared. Probably not. I just think that he was so scared of Red Skull. Um, he was not scared... <laughs> he wasn't scared that red school was going to get caught and he was going to get in trouble when, when he, when he killed those, when he killed those men, he was, Artem Zola was the only guy who didn't jump up and say hail Hydra. Cause he wasn't a true believer. You know, he yeah. was, he was probably he caring was, more for his country. He was actually working was for Germany down in the corner. Yeah. And, and when, <laughs> and when, when he, he just realizes that he, he's, he's a, he's a hostage of red skull. Yeah. The whole time. Although he does have a chance to run away and does not, so there's that. Of course, I guess at that point, he's a hostage in the sense that he believes that every city in the world is about to blow up, so where is he going to go? Yeah. I would say that's a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome, but it's, I mean, it's really not. Probably just, a, yeah, just hostage. Just feels like a hostage. I, I love when he tosses in the keys and says, not a scratch. Not a scratch, Doctor. Not, not a, scratch. a scratch. Oh, so good. <laughs> but where am I going to sit? You know, I'm glad. We've been talking about this movie for about ten minutes now, and we have yet to mention Captain America. Right? We, yeah, we, it's like, apparently we both had that experience. On this viewing, Red Skull just really stood out. He, it's because he's so good. And he's so good. <laughs> but that's not to say the real strength of this movie. That's a, he's, a, he's a side character. Like, he's barely, he's not in it. <laughs> he's barely he's in it. In maybe it. 15 minutes. <laughs> Captain America is the strength of this movie. Chris Evans as Captain America and whoever played the other half of his body at the beginning <laughs> was... Chris Evans from the neck down in the first half. Yeah. Neck up in the first half, neck down in the last half. Uh, it, it was great. Uh, and something I've always said makes a great superhero movie, especially an origin story, is when you can enjoy the character they are before they become Batman. Or before they become whoever. Yeah. I, I first noticed this when I was a kid and I watched The Mask. You ever yeah. seen that movie? Yeah. I was Way like... Way a long time ago, yeah. I was like, Jim Carrey, The Mask is funny. I, for an eight-year-old, The Mask was hilarious. It was yeah. like big and so spectacular and like made faces. But half the movie, he's just Jim Carrey. But Jim Carrey was good enough to carry that movie. I felt the same way with Chris Evans before he goes through the transformation. They did such an amazing job of making me feel for Steve Rogers... And making him such a great character. His first line in the movie is one word, and it establishes his character perfectly. He's sitting in a uh, he's sitting in a shop, about to be go through uh, trying to get into the army, and the the camera pans to him, oh, and yeah. a guy says, "Oh, a lot of people dying over there. Makes you think twice about signing up." Nope. Nope. He just says nope, and immediately you know who he is. You know he's brave. You see him; he's he's a shrimpy little guy, and he's brave and he's he got cares. Asthma. Oh, it's just just that one word, nope, and then he's he's well established. It's also the the tone that he gave when he said it. Nope. Yep. Just such confidence in it. Yep. Like I, I have to go, and then what he says to Bucky later just further establishes just how incredible uh, uh, man that little guy is yeah <clears throat> when he says like there's guys over there laying down their lives I have no right to give I have no less. right to do any less <sighs> this, this, this movie um, 
it just made me like feel for that greatest generation. Like, right? <laughs> I don't. They, 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 people always talk about the greatest generation, and yes, of course, they did great things fighting off Hitler. But like Steve Rogers just encapsulates all of that into one man. Like he yeah. is that man that that we that we talk about when we talk about the greatest generation. He's that, you know, he's more that spirit probably than anyone ever in real life. <laughs> like. As as a single human being, he's yep. just so, it's just such a great character. And you know, the whole time, the whole time the movie was playing, I'm like, why isn't he worthy? Why is right? it, why couldn't he do it? What's his dark secret? What's his dark secret that he couldn't? <laughs> it's got to be real bad. <laughs> if it counteracts all the good that he is, right? Because <laughs> like he's. He's what the Santa Claus song is about. Be good for goodness sake. <laughs> like that's him. <laughs> Uh, and the CGI face on him was the most believable CGI I've ever seen. Yeah, and the helmet being like oh, com- like comically oversized on him. Yeah, when he's like crawling through the mud. Oh, like every part, and then he perfectly fills out the helmet later. Like his head yeah. size expands. This is directed amazingly well. Um, yeah, the guy who the guy also directed Rocketeer. He also directed yep. Honey I Shrunk the Kids, which I didn't know. All right, I was I was looking into like some of the people who were involved in this movie because I was like, what else have they done? And I felt like looking at their writing and directing things on this, these guys haven't done much else. It's I mean, this guy did Jumanji, Joe the Johnston. Guy, yeah, yeah, he did Jumanji. Yeah, he did. He did a uh, he did a uh, Rocketeer and he did um, Honey I Shrunk the Kids and some others, but those were the three that I remembered. That really stood out to me. Do you remember the uh, the music in this in this film really taking you to emotional places? Sure. You know why? Why? Alan Silvestri. Oh yeah. What else has he done? Uh, he did the Avengers and Back oh. to the Future. Oh gosh. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I did not. Uh, I didn't note that, but yeah. Um, the only reason I know that is because when music was playing at one point, I had paused it and I had rented it on Google Play because I couldn't find my copy of the DVDs. I think my mom has them or something, but I paused it and Google Play has this neat thing where it just like pops up and just like, here's the song that's playing. Here's that actor. Like it circles their face. Oh, that's cool. And the song that was playing was, um, it was when they were in the plane, it was like illegal, illegal, blah, illegal night flight or something like that and it said by alan silvestri i was like what that's awesome no apparently yeah that's him whole thing very cool i was really excited because i was just like i know that he did the avengers and that's like some of the songs that get stuck in my head like real bad and he did back to the future like get stuck in my head real bad like come on what yeah I, I you know this this movie seeing it was so good sent me down a little IMDB hole looking at just the <laughs> the directors and writers yep. and uh do you do you know same writers that are going to be writers. writing for Civil War or yes, that are writing they these guys how do I how do we not know these guys names Christopher Marcus and Stephen, and Stephen McFeely. McFeely yeah I don't know these guys names we have not talked about them near enough because they have not only written uh, that uh, didn't they also write the Winter Soldier yeah crazy Christopher Marcus. Uh, he wrote uh, Thor: The Dark World, Captain America: Winter Soldier, the fir- Captain America: uh, The First Avenger. Uh, all- he created Agent Carter and wrote the final episode on Agent Carter. He's he wrote Captain America: Civil War and uh, Avengers: Infinity War Part One and Two. Holy crap! These guys are like the the architects. We always talk about Kevin Feige and nothing to take away from Kevin Feige, but a writer, the writing role is pretty damn it's important. It's pretty important, yeah. Uh, in this whole thing, and we don't discuss these guys enough. Like without um, good writers, the movie falls apart. Absolutely. And 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 these two, man, they're uh they're really wow. They've written almost everything that we all of my a lot of my favorite movies in 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 the universe, you know. You still got Guardians and the Iron Man stuff, but like Captain America 1, 2, 3, and the Infinity War. Uh, Which we know is going to be our favorites. We'll see. We'll see. No, we know it. Go ahead and commit. I just want to say thank you, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. I'm going to learn your names. Already have. Because you're the best. Um, They really really are. This This movie is just written so well. This movie made me have a lot of feelings at the end. (laughs) Like real bad. Yeah, I didn't too. know what to do with I, all of them. I had feelings the whole way through. From Nope, from the time he says Nope, <laughs> I start to cry a little bit. Like my, I get a little misty, and just how good, I don't cry at sad parts of movies. 
I cry at touching parts of movies. I cry when men are just really good men and women like. What about Stanley Tucci's death scene where he points at his chest? Like, oh, that was oh. Uh, <laughs> that that combined. You hurt me right now. <laughs> that combined sad with like he's such a good man that this death is worth it. You know? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was I didn't remember how that scene went, and I was waiting on to see what he would say, and I was like, "Is he gonna say anything?" Because he just points at his chest and just goes, "Oh, it's like mm. means so much with just the point to his chest." And Stanley Tucci is so good, so good, <laughs> so so good in this movie. Um, He's so good in everything, but like, agreed. This character, like. Honestly, this this role could be a little throwaway role that you don't remember. Nobody cares. Whatever. He nailed it. Yeah, he no. brought it home so hard. He really always does. Stanley Tucci's awesome, but as Erskine, he just, 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 just really, really great. He, he's so he's so um, he in many ways he's the Uncle Ben of this uh, story. Yeah, yeah. His his he his really weak is. man weak men. Uh, huh. Weak, a weak man knows the value of strength. Yep. That was his big line that I was just like, ooh, that's your, that's your Uncle Ben line right there. Right. Like, <laughs> um, and he's and, like, thanks, I think. <laughs> right. The, the difference being the Uncle Ben story is like him instilling those qual- traits into Parker. Yeah. This is Erskine knowing he has found the diamond in the rough. He has found the good man that makes all of his life's work worth it. I'm getting misty right now thinking about Erskine. (laughs) I often wonder, um, like, how different would Cap look if it had been, like, a big, strong guy already that was just an an innately good person, like, the way that Cap was, but was already, like, big and strong? Like how different would like would he be just like Hulk size and just be like the nicest guy ever? (laughs) I thought that too. Like, what if? Yeah, what if the gentle he, jade giant basically? Yeah, I don't know because that that little capsule they put him in is only so big, right? <laughs> Maybe yeah. vita rays happen. He just like busts out of it. Just, yeah, it's the not reason, enough. The reason they can't reproduce the thing is because they just he destroys the machine, <laughs> um, and he's so sorry about it. He's like, oh, oh no, oh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't, oh, and. I'll put it back together. It's interesting they made Erskine a German scientist, which it was nice because it, like, I I, I don't know if he's a comic book character or not. He is. Regardless, whoever made him that, it was nice because it, like, particularly in this movie, showed that, like, he was part of the German people, not part of, he was not a Nazi, you know? I don't know. It was just a nice, uh, I loved it when he's like, where where are you from exactly? Queens. Queens. Before that, Germany. (laughs) Does this trouble you? So good. And the and the line about uh, I don't like do you want to kill Nazis? Do you want to kill Nazis? Is this a, is this a test? Yes. Uh, I don't want to kill anyone, sir. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Oh gosh, it's just so good. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> this movie is like, and it's the kind of movie that I just want other people to see. Like I was yep. watching it and I was like thinking about wanting to like show it to like my granddad or something you know like it's just like <laughs> like it's that good you knew people like this right oh. doesn't this touch you inside <laughs> it's so good oh man uh i love seeing howard stark and all his womanizing glory right <laughs> <laughs> from the very first moment he's on screen and he's on screen with those all those women on stage and he's so good randomly kisses one of them yep <laughs> <laughs> said a few years didn't i <laughs> And I like how nonchalant he is about his thing just, like, almost exploding and then falling to the ground. Yeah. He's just like, ah, whatever. Said a few years. He was, he was great. It'll the, take time. To the whole movie. Um, <laughs> fondue is just cheese and bread, my friend. <laughs> that's... Once you think you understand a woman's inner workings, that's when your goose is really and truly cooked. <laughs> uh, that's why I concentrate on work. <laughs> That's what he said. It's like, no, you don't. The entire time in Agent Carter, you're womanizing all over the place and not working. Speaking of Agent Carter, Peggy Carter, man. 
She's right? awesome. <laughs> like seeing her on screen for the first time, I totally understand why they made a show about her. Yeah. Like all over again. I don't know. Seeing her on the show, on this movie, like just the origins of Peggy Carter on screen, just really made me see. Uh, like why they would absolutely make a show about her? She's awesome. Oh She's yeah, totally an awesome, strong female character. I I, I, I love her. I, I love her. And uh, f***ing Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. Yes, I mean he's he's kind of the best. <laughs> he's still skinny. <laughs> like every every line he had, even the really sad ones. Yeah, like when they were over Delivered in perfectly. Italy, were just. Spot on. Deliver. His delivery is perfect. And you have brought up brought up uh, a line from a scene that always stands out to me about this of this movie: the grenade scene. The grenade scene. I talked about how I get misty eyed from the word "nope" in this yep. movie, but this scene you shed a tear. Oh, I really do. Like this <laughs> is this time. is him at his best. He doesn't have. He doesn't know what they're training him for. He doesn't know the superhero stuff super soldier serum yeah all he knows is he's on the field he's finally there he's there and he sees you know 15 men around him who are strong and who can go help the war effort and he believes the best thing he can do in that moment is jump on that grenade to save all those men yep cause oh. <laughs> gets me every time I'm not even joking <laughs> gets every me talking single about time it. I cry when I see that scene. Like, it gets me really close to tears. I'm sorry, guys. I'm being a little uh, emotional this week. You're doing exactly what I was doing last movie yeah. right now. <laughs> like, just getting all fanboyed I'm, out. I'm realizing this might be my favorite Marvel movie. Like, <laughs> from an Your a, entire foundations of MCU fandom have just been rocked. They really have. I, I, I've always said that uh, Iron Man was one of my favorites and then the Avengers movie are right there and Guardians now yeah um, Iron Man and Guardians have always been my favorite MCU movies but this one really is really a real it. contender and that that's not to say Cap 2 is also just as good like, <laughs> if how, not better this freaking Marvel man what are you doing <laughs> how did you make so many good movies in a row how do you how it doesn't make logical sense. They're so, so good. And this one is just... I mean, I think about the others and how great they are, but then I think... Uh, just watching this one this week, really... I'm fanboying hard for this one. Yeah. It's just oh, really, yeah. really a great movie. Oh. I went to uh, I went to uh, Rotten Tomatoes just to see like what the what the score for this one was, because yeah. I, I remembered it not being that great. And it was something like 79%. And I was like... How are there any people at all who didn't like this movie? I'm totally with you. I can only imagine it's cynical people. Yeah. Like, I think this movie's incredibly touching. And... And I can, I can imagine people being a little cynical and being like, ah. It's, it's incredibly touching while also being really good, like, pulpy comic book. Yeah. Like, it's got that great comic book flavor to it. I totally agree. And some people don't like that. Whatever to hell with them they're, mm -hmm. they're not listening <laughs> <laughs> nope they are probably not bunch of jerks oh man <laughs> I let you have your boy here on the on, on the base <laughs> I thought he might be useful to you like a gerbil <laughs> <laughs> never thought you'd actually consider picking him oh so good uh, he is the clear choice yeah there's kinds of like I can make anyone be physically impressive. He's got the heart I need. Yep. Huh. <laughs> and he, what was the guy's name? The guy that Peggy just decked. I don't know. I don't remember his name. Um, he was saying he was like Tommy Lee Jones was pointing at him as being like obviously he's the clear choice. He's big. He's strong. Yeah. He's whatever. And he's like he's a bully. Erskine's like he's a bully. I don't need that. You and don't like, win wars with niceness. You don't win wars with niceness, Doctor. And you you win it with guts. Grenade! I think we could talk about every line of this movie. We really and, could, and especially all of Tommy Lee Jones' lines. I, I, am, uh, I am just completely on board now for Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely to write everything. Everything ever. Everything they want to Not write. Not even, like, just strictly MCU stuff, but write every movie. Yeah. Oh, gosh. They've written so many good movies. Yeah. Um, 
ah, yeah, so good. Um, I the, the whole scene where they they create him is great. I love I love I was I was surprised. I think it's a very surprising moment when Stark is there. Yeah, even though it's a little bit jarring. You're like, whoa, Howard, really? Because what they, time they make him out to be a this? playboy slash, you know, sort of a crazy crackpot inventor with that first scene. Yeah. It seems like his public face makes him seem sort of, and the fact that he, you know, messes up in the first scene, like kind of makes him look like maybe fallible, not like on board with the full on whatever. But then, uh, then he shows up in this scene and it's like, Oh, he's a legit scientist. <laughs> he's wow. He actually does the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He says, Modestly, I can tell you, I'm the best electrical engineer on this on the on the in, in the this nation. country. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, modestly. <laughs> um, and then when when he starts to be in so much pain and he's screaming and they try to shut it down. Oh yeah. Cap yells, "No! I can do this! I can do this!" Oh gosh, it's just so good. And then Peggy's got that just immense amount of concern on her face, and Haley Atwell. Fan, oh man, she's fan freaking tastic. Fan freaking tastic. That is yeah. exactly the word I'm looking for. <sighs> All right. I feel like I, I could do this for another hour, just talk about every scene and how great it was. <laughs> yeah. The only What's... there's only one tiny itty bitty nitpick. Yeah. That I have. What is your nitpick with this movie? All right, let's bring it down. It's a little. What's your nitpick? It's a little bit montagey. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's the perfectly comic booky thing to do. Absolutely, and and you you have there are a few montages that I would have loved to seen more of those things, yeah. like uh, the Howling Commandos. I would have loved to seen more of yes. them. There was more of them in the movie than I remembered. I love when they're uh, like breaking out of that hydro facility and they're in the tank together and they're, like, <laughs> chatting back and forth. Dugan uh, <laughs> says, "I know you spoke French." He's like, two semesters at Howard." Uh, I it was three. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it three was German. Three, and he said three he semesters to at Howard. Then I switched, switched to French. He's like, "I didn't ask for your your uh, didn't res- ask for the resume." resume. <laughs> uh, and then the, the guy jumps in the top and they're driving around. And he's like, "Ah!" It's just. I, I love I loved them too. I could see a whole show or movie based on just the Helen Commandos. Oh, that would be so cool! I'd love to see that. I need it. I need that in my life. I didn't know I needed it. So I understand where you're coming from when you say it's too montagey. I didn't that, say it's too montagey. So it's, it's a little it's a on little the montagey monta- side. Yeah, uh, but I, I I didn't mind because at least we got to see some of those things. They didn't. It's. It's better for me if they montage through something than to just delete Drag it from it the out. canon. Oh, yeah. Fair. Which, which I wouldn't have minded them dragging it out a little bit, but I understand they had to keep the movie under three hours, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Could have spent six on this and still been happy with it. I, me and you would have been. <laughs> <laughs> we, we watch Agent Carter. That's <laughs> right. That's what we do. I really, I like how, um, I like how the first kind of like the the army base scene where they're training everybody and he's still not you know fully physically captain america yet like that was kind of a montage but it it was extended scenes of montage which i really appreciate especially the flag scene you know what i mean yeah where the guy's like that flag hasn't come down in 17 years yeah, or something I like, like that fl- i like the flag scene a lot and steve just walks up and is like Pin, pull this out it falls over and then he just tosses the two pieces aside thank you sir hands him the flag <laughs> steps in gets in the jeep what would have been even funnier is if he had handed in the flag and then gotten back in formation just to be like see I can do it but I'm still gonna run yeah yeah but I, I, I like that he still I like rode. that he still like got that in the jeep. Rode. Maybe that's his dark secret. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, the, that's gotta if be he, it. If he, if he jumped in the back of the line and ran with the men, he would be able to lift Mjolnir, but... <laughs> <sighs> that's it. That's the, that's the only thing. <laughs> oh, another montage moment uh, was the Star-Spangled Man scenes. Yes, the, the USO shows, yeah. 
I just thought they were great. I had a lot of people. Uh, I heard a lot of people complain about the the scenes. I thought it was a perfect way of giving him that costume for the movie. Yeah, but but and, making him kind of into a dancing monkey. Yeah, when and I mean that's what happened in the in the comics. Like oh, that's really? exactly perfectly canon with what happened in the comics. Interesting. It's fantastic. I didn't know that. I love that they did that. That was it. Was really great. I just felt like that whole like. I mean, punching Hitler on the jaw and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, that's in the comics. Like he, him actually punching Hitler. <laughs> like, yeah, he's actually fine. But it, I liked it. That it was almost like the comics that we read were the comic books of their world. Does yeah. that make sense? Well, that's what also, it felt like. You saw in that montage the kids that were on the street corner that were grabbing the comics, the Captain America comics. Those are legit Captain America comics. That's awesome. From back in the day. That's awesome. And that's what I felt like. It felt like this is... They, they were like making it make sense why those comics would exist. Yeah. Even though they weren't telling the story of that same Captain America. The, the Captain America that we know is like a like a figment of the public's imagination or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. It's just so good. So good. Um. <clears throat> I love the Bucky line. Um, I thought you were dead. I thought you were smaller. <laughs> He's all like yeah. out of it. What, what did you? <laughs> how? What happened? I is, joined the army. Is it? Is it permanent? So far, so yeah. So far. <laughs> That's kind of like how you know. So far, I'm immortal, and I haven't had anything to really. Um, challenge that yet yeah so that brings <laughs> us to Bucky um, it does good little segue to Bucky I thought that because and, and I remember feeling this way the first time I ever watched it because I knew in the comics he dies the whole time every time he's in danger I'm just sure he's gonna die yeah <laughs> this is it this is where Bucky goes this out is the moment when they were like yelling at a Red Skull across the fiery bridge and he has to like walk across the fiery whatever. Yeah. I was like sure he was going to die right there. <laughs> this is it. Sure. Like, Here yeah, it comes. In my memory like it was such a strong memory that I sort of like still think he does. Like I'm still watching it again and I'm like <laughs> this is where he dies. Right? I don't remember that he dies right here. <laughs> nope. Nope he does not. Nope. Um, it has yeah. to be a cold thing. Oh uh, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, when they did it on the train, I was like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, this is not a rocket. This this is not a rocket. What? I don't know the comic book origins. What are they? I don't want to talk about it. It's still too new. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did he die in comics? Like, <laughs> 60s or something? No, 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 it was before that. Oh, wow. No. <clears throat> um, I love, I love, you know, I love, I love seeing his interaction with Bucky, and I love seeing his interaction with his men. I love when he's like, "I'm becoming you," because uh, Agent Carter doesn't. He's in, he is invisible to Agent Carter. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but don't worry, and maybe she was, has a friend. It was a really nice red dress. It was a very nice red dress. Actually, my wife pointed that out. She was like, that is a really nice dress. That is, <laughs> She was like, I would wear that dress. And I was like, I would appreciate you wearing that dress. <laughs> <laughs> and I would appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. She's like, that's the kind of fancy that I like. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I would put on my top hat for that. <laughs> So we went to uh, we went to the Alabama Symphony Orchestra's Maestro's Ball, mm -hmm. just like an invitation only kind of thing. And um, my company's a sponsor, so we had like a couple of seats or whatever. And I won the drawing. And I kind of after signing up for it, I realized, oh crap, it's a black tie event. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh god, I need to go rent a tux. Crap, this got expensive real quick. Oh, did you have to rent a tux? I had to rent a tux. I have a tux that might fit you. Oh, not should anymore. Should call call me anytime you need like. I have to wear stuff all the time. Well, my tux that I have is like 50 pounds smaller than me. So, <laughs> uh, it might fit you. Okay. But ne next time. Let next me know. time. Well, next time it'll be even worse. 
I'll be smaller by then. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. So, I uh, had to rent a tux, and it got really expensive, but still, got a tux. And then, like, on the day of, we were like, should I bring my top hat? I think I... Did well, you wear the top hat? I wore the top hat. That's fun. I wore Was my top hat. Anyone else wearing a top hat? Nobody else. I got so many compliments about my top hat. <laughs> I was called the classiest man there. <laughs> uh, one of the servers. Was everyone else in tuxes? Yeah, it was all, like, everybody was dressed really nicely. To the nines. <laughs> but I had a top hat on. And one of the servers came by and was like, you guys are my favorite couple out of anybody here. Yeah. And we were like, oh, thanks. And then, like, later on, because there was a dinner afterward, after the show. Yeah. This was, like, champagne reception, show, dinner. And at dinner, she came by again and was just like, you guys are still my favorite. <laughs> and we're like, what? <laughs> okay. Nice. But, yeah, I was super-duper fancy with the top hat. So, yeah, if she wore that dress, I'd wear the top hat, and we'd be all good. Nice. That's how fancy it was. I like it. Um, I got real fancy this week. Did you to uh to play play a private party? That was fun too. Nice. And then it turned out no one else got dressed up, just the band. But we yeah. still look real badass because we're all like in our uh, Reservoir Dogs look, like black black suit, white shirt, black tie. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a good color scheme. Add a bow tie on. Yeah, bow ties um, are cool. I agree. Bow ties are cool. <laughs> So does the internet. I uh, I uh, I really liked Back how consistent uh, Steve Rogers' character is throughout this movie. And when I think about it, how consistent his character is even now in, in the movies. I think I I know you've said that uh, said differently in the past, but I really like who his character is in this movie, and I really like how humble and like sacrificial and just ready to give all he is. I, just, I, lo- I love it. Well, no, what I what I had said in the past is that he was different in the Avengers. Yeah. I don't re- really recall. I, 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 we'll, 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 we'll rewatch this week. <laughs> That's going to happen next movie. Yeah, n- a couple days from now we're going to be rewatching that one. So I'll have to see if I, I agree because now I have a really strong sense of who I think Steve Rogers is. And yeah. so yeah. I'll see if I think it's different once I get to the movie. Um, I, I love it. I love him... Um, in the alley at the beginning when he says, I can do this all day, mm-hmm. he's being beat up. And then later, Red Skull is beating him up, and he's like, I can do this all day. It just draws such a strong parallel between who he was and who he is and how the physical transformation really didn't change him all that much. He's still just such a – he's always been such a scrapper, you know? <laughs> Even though he couldn't – had no physical ability before. He's just such a scrappy, scrappy guy. I love it. Well, he said, um, you know, you run, if you start running, they'll never let you stop. That's right. Oh, man, so good. Yep. There's so <laughs> many great lines in this movie. <laughs> I think about, I think about great, you know, iconic superhero lore, and you think about, there's always a lot of iconic things from Superman movies and Batman movies and Spider-Man movies, and this one has so many iconic lines. Like, every scene, it feels like it has, like, the weight of a classic scene. Yep. And part of that is the fact that it's a, a period piece, but uh, even without that, just the character interactions are so classic. I just love it. And classy. So yeah. This is the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was so classy. then. Um, I think the last fight sequence is super fun. Just the whole thing. Uh, first off, fight sequences in general in this movie which we haven't discussed really yeah um I love that they kill people (laughs) (laughs) well again they're they're masked people we've talked about how no like humanity to them yeah no humanity to them Uh, although they are humans yeah they are and there are a few scenes where they kill unmasked people like people in suits shooting each other in the you know well yeah those that's like Gangsters doing gangster things. Yeah, it did feel gangster. Although there is the one guy that Peggy just like tagged with the pistol through oh, the window. So good. And like wrecked the car because of it. Yeah. That's, that's, I had that, had that in my notes and I actually skipped it because we kind of moved on from Carter, but that shot is awesome. <laughs> <It's> just, just, 
Wait, that explosion happens. The, the cinemagraphic shot? No, no, or the shot when she takes <laughs> the, the shot. pistol shot. The pistol shot is awesome. Um, it's cool cinemagraphically too, but man, it's just a good shot for her. Uh, it, it just it establishes her as such a cool. And right after that, you see Cap uses powers for the first time, mm. and I love that he just can't even control his running, and he runs through the, <laughs> through runs the through dress the window, shop. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, but but I think the last fight sequence. Is just so much fun. Uh, you've got you've got all the characters closing in on the Hydra base, and you've got and and the Cap <laughs> getting in the car with uh with with Carter and Tommy Lee Jones. Don't know his name in the movie. He's just Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> um, get them getting in the car, getting in the car with them, and then taking off toward Red Soul's plane is great. And when Carter kisses him. And then he looks down at a. Uh, I'm not Lee. kissing you. I'm not kissing you. Uh, that's <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. So good, so perfect for this role. Yep. Uh, man. Um, but that that everything from then on is just so much fun. Everything in the plane where he's like, you know, fighting off different Hydra members in the plane. Then when he like has chucking them out the hole in the floor. Yeah, and then he has to get on the little like jet plane thing yeah a little escape pod and then has to get back to the ship and when he turns upward and drops a hydra dude through the propeller yeah oh my gosh that was gory. and it's got the, like the the red mist stream behind oh, it so, for a little bit so gory that's like the worst <laughs> i loved it that's worse than a big uh ice creature with a hole through its face in thor. What you're referencing in thor oh yeah yeah for sure for sure because you know Thor would have come out real bloody. He would have just been drenched. He would, he would have landed and just been drenched and been like, ew. ew. Yucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I just I just think that whole fight sequence was awesome. Oh, yeah. And then th- there was one part where I was like, all right, that that's a little... Why'd you do that? Why well, did, when that? he circled the whole plane oh, yeah, on that his was way weird. back, like... He was already behind it. He didn't have to go around and be like, ha, 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 ha look what I'm doing. Yeah. Go ahead and point your guns at me and then fly. It, like, he could have flown it back into it and, you know, crashed it in there. He might have alerted Red Skull to his presence. He might not might have. Might not have, yeah. But instead, he, I guess you could say that they got the guy had already pulled off a little bit. And maybe he had to kind of circle around, but I don't know. Could have circled around to the rear. Maybe so. Maybe so. Either way. All right. Um, pretty much. Uh, and then we have Red Skull disappearing, which we talked about. Um, we have um, the radio scene, which we touched on a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. You you want to talk about emotionally heart-wrenching scenes. Oh, yeah. Ever. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh. And their whole the whole thing, the whole thread through the whole movie about finding the right partner... I had to pause it, man. And then they're separated in time. Damn this movie. I had it's to pause so it. It's so good. It hurts so bad. It hurts so good. <laughs> and like, the Damn wife... Damn you, Christopher Marcus <laughs> and Stephen McFeely. <laughs> Damn you both. The wife was over on like the dining room table grading papers, and I had to pause it, and she's like, why'd you pause it? And I was like, I'm having every feeling in the in the world right now. <laughs> I don't know how to handle it. Oh God! She's so sad. He's they're making a date for in a week. Oh! And then later, when 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 Nick Fury's like, "Is everything okay? Or is something wrong?" And he's like, "No, just I had a date." When mm-hmm. he's in like the now time, and he mm-hmm. says, "I had a date," I'm like, ah. Oh! That- that's such a great ending. It was already ending. so bad. Such a great ending to the movie. Because it doesn't end on where it doesn't end on like where's Red Skull? Or like it doesn't end on it doesn't end on an action beat at all. It has nothing to do with his superhero ness. And it, it has yeah, to do with a man end, losing his girl, you know? And it doesn't end on like <sighs> we found Cap roll credits. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has the boldness of ending that movie on I Had a Date is so good. It's so, so good. Uh, it's, it really it just brings back the humanity of Steve Rogers. It does. It does. Rather than the superhero nature. And I do think that might 
this movie had that. Iron Man had him like giving up the fact that he was Iron Man to everyone, which again didn't have anything to do with a villain or who he was as Iron Man. It had everything to do with who he was as Tony Stark. Yeah, and his like his character, um, his cocky ass attitude. And I feel like those two movies had a strength of characters that maybe hasn't been relived yet. And I'd really like to see in Civil War. Ooh, those two clash. Yeah. Excuse me. I'd like to see those two very real, very quality characters. Very different personalities. Yeah. I want to see them go at it. But I want to believe it, and I want to really feel the stakes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you, Christopher and Steven, <laughs> my new best friends. And Kevin Feige. <laughs> They're like the trifecta. Yeah. The triumvirate, as it were. Uh, One of the things that I thought of uh, around the time of... We had talked about it in a different cast, um, how it looked like RDJ, or it looked like Tony Stark drove off and like had left the team. Yeah. I think it was mostly that Howard Stark was around that made me think about this, but um, in Ant-Man... When Paul Rudd says, the first thing I think we should do is call the Avengers. <laughs> and then Mike Douglas says, I've been trying to keep this technology out of the hands of a Stark, you know, for my entire career. Yeah. I'm not going to give it back to one now. Like, that solidifies that Stark is still on the team at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron. And hmm. also... Maybe, or maybe they just don't know. Yeah, maybe they don't know. I mean, like, it's it's not like... But, like, the Accords the... haven't happened yet. Sure. That's what that's what that seems to, to say to me, is that, you know... Maybe. That maybe big it just, thing hasn't happened. Maybe it's just like, you know, we don't have to know the inner workings of the military or what's going on, but we can be like, I think it's time to call the military. You know, like, <laughs> we, we I don't know that, that as characters in the universe, they necessarily know what's going on exactly in the Avengers, you know? Maybe. They know that Maybe. the big thing just happened, and yeah. But this is this is Ant Man. This is Hank Pym. We're talking about. He's got the camera ants everywhere. Maybe, maybe he had those in in the various uh, events of this last movie. But that just <laughs> happened, so I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't well, know. I was just, I was thinking about that because of the the whole Stark family line yeah. thing. That's a valid point, though. It's a valid point. And John Slattery, like, ah, yeah, great. Um. Everybody that's been what a Stark. Does Red School have any kind of powers of seeing the future? Or was that just... He says a line, and it's kind of a strange one in the movie. I have seen the future. There are no flags, is what he says. I've seen the future. There are no flags. That's just basically him saying, like, I know that I'm going to rule the world. There's not going to be any I, I agree. I differences. agree. On the surface of it, that's that's it. But I wonder if he does have any sort of visions and, like, kind of what his vision is. And it's very much just, like, I'm going to control the Earth. Like, that's his um, that's his whole M.O. Where do you think Red Skull ended up? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, the cosmos. Duh. Died somewhere in the cosmos. Nailed it. <laughs> um, uh, quadrant four. <laughs> and Obviously. if if not, if not where, when do you think he'll show back up? Ooh. Mm. He'll. I don't. They just they leave it open. Yeah. They do. Like so much so that he could literally show up at any point. He could. I I would not at all be surprised. Does he age normally though? I don't know. That's a good question. We don't know if Steve Rogers ages normally. Well, I mean, he was frozen. Well, we again, but we still we haven't. He hasn't had enough years since the thing. We don't know if he ages normally either. So yeah. they, they both have the superhero, same superhero serum. Yeah. Super soldier serum. What? <laughs> Also, does the Tesseract have the ability to move through time or just space? What? What, what is that? It's the space jump. That's, uh, it's the space jump. What right. if... What, what if... 
All right, all right. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go for it, what if Red Skull got transported to Jotunheim and was also frozen? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking about that. Like, what if something did happen to him that carried... And the events of Thor shat, like rocking Jotunheim oh, like that broke him out of it. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Oh, it's the best headcanon ever. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Noel, we beat it this week. We got better, better headcanon. Um, that's that's better than like Red Skull going to uh, to Xandar and like starting a race. <laughs> I still really like that headcanon. <laughs> I like that a lot. All the pink people, they're all, the all descendants people. of Red Skull. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking about that one. I'm like, I wonder where he went. Yeah, I had no idea. I he really hope... He clearly didn't go to Xandar. You know what I would just love if they just announced a Red Skull movie that explains... Like, World War Red Skull? Or, or just, no, like... Planet Red Skull? Planet Red Skull. No, just, like, from the time he... We, we like, pick up when he's disappearing from that ship, airship, and then we just see what happened to him over the last, like, 80 years or whatever. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be so good. He shows up on, like, a random spaceship. He's like, what is the current star date? (laughs) Oh, wait, that's a different movie. (laughs) Sorry. Um, By the way, uh, you mentioned the space gem, and I was asking about time. There is a time gem. Yeah. I want a time travel Marvel movie so bad. I don't want a time travel Marvel movie where they, like, change things or, you know... Retcon anything. I don't want that. That would be... Well... Maybe. You know, I wouldn't even mind if it, if they did, like, one thing, like a Terminator-style, like, we did one thing, but, ooh, ooh, we were just talking about how does Red Skull show up in this time period. What if he has the time gem? Oh, man. What if wherever he is, he has the time gem? What if, what if Thanos gives him, what if he went to Sanctuary, Thanos gave him the time gem to, to go back... Or to you know show up whenever, uh, Civil War, and okay, okay, I'm, I've I've got a lot of there's a lot going on right now in the events of Civil War in the comics. <clears throat> uh huh. Is this too spoilery? Should we give it a spoiler alert? Yeah, probably. Okay, spoiler alert for Civil War. Do I need to leave? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, go ahead. Okay, so Civil War comic books. In the comics, Sharon Carter was brainwashed or or hypnotized, just right. changed mentally. I knew that much. By Red Skull. Okay. Crossbones was under the orders of Red Skull when he shot Cap on the steps of the courthouse, which then caused Agent Carter or Sharon Carter, Agent 13, to unload her clip into Cap as well. What if Red Skull was given the time gem, he came back to this this current area in time, and then brainwashed using the um damn it. Mind gem? No no the the I remember the Finhoff machine or whatever. No, the what is what did they call it? Whatever, brainwashing machine. Got the it. brainwashing machine that they used in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2 yeah. used that on Agent Carter, but made her think that she was still a still a good S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Ah! Yeah. Um, and she has to betray Cap at his time of... moment, like, yeah. Yeah, at his, at his time of biggest need. Ah! Uh, yeah. I... Too I, much. I, I think that's cool. Too I, much. I just think that... I was just thinking that maybe he found the time gym at some point in history, and it, like and he doesn't age cosmo- now. <laughs> well, no, he just used it to get to our timeline. Maybe, maybe he used it to jump eighty years. So we just got, we're going to need some sort of explanation for why he's still around, and it may just be that he doesn't age if he does come back. I think he's going to come back. He's got to come back. He's got to come back. I th- I say it's going to be before Infinity War. It could very well be Civil War. It could be. And I, and I I think there's a strong possibility it's Civil War, just because it's a cat movie, and his largest villain hasn't been in the in the second one. And, and one movie away is great. I love it. 
But two movies away is a long time. And I feel like he needs to come back for this third movie. Yeah. But there's already so much going on in this third movie. It's true. Yeah. That's a very valid point. Like, they've had to cut things out because there's so much going on. They cut the Hulk. Yeah. I feel like Civil War is going to tear our team down to the point that they're going to be super weak when Infinity War gets here. Um, because it's pretty much our team. I think I think Civil War is going to decimate the Avengers. Yeah, it does. I think I think this the Avengers are going to be decimated, and then we spend the next couple movies, next uh, few years, yeah, building up other characters in the universe who are going to have to fight in Infinity in Infinity War. You know, in a lot of ways, I think this is going to be the death of the Avengers. Um, well, it just it, the, in its it current brings, formation, yeah, it just it opens the door for a new team. Yeah. The shifting roster of the Avengers has always been a thing. Yep. <clears throat> well, because we've got Doctor Strange next year. We've got uh, the year after that being um, Guardians 2, Thor, Spider-Man. So we've got Doctor Strange and Spider-Man that are new to the movies. Yep. Then oh, we man. Spider-Man. The next year... We got, uh, that would be 2018, that's Infinity War Part 1, comes out then. Black Panther is later that year, Captain Marvel is earlier, early the next year, if I recall. Yeah, so we, we're basically, I think this movie is going to decimate our team, and we're going to get a bunch of new team members, or at least new good guys, to face off with the the coming threat. Which Oh, yeah. Um, is a coming, and then, not even in the movies, we've got Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, uh, Daredevil already there. You know, for the Defenders, obviously, with Thanos being like a global threat, they have to get involved. They have to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody's um, gonna be involved. It's everybody in the pool. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. All in the pool. It's uh, no longer Adult Swim. <laughs> Free swim. Everybody in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I love this movie. What about you? Oh yeah. Like, I think I think we both nine five love this movie. out of ten. It was our first glance at the Avengers trailer. It re- oh man, even awesome. watching it on on rewatch just now, like, or well, I say just now, but just recently, like, I got excited when it was like next summer. And it was showing all the Avengers stuff, and I was like, oh, I guess I watch that again. I was really excited again. Yeah, it's awesome. Really awesome. Um, really, really great. Well, I loved it. Uh, Cap Awakening in the Future, of course, was awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing I thought was interesting. You know, that, do you notice at the beginning they were using that laser to cut open the... Uh the thing yep. did you think of that being the mouse hole I did think of that actually yeah I was watching I was like that could be the mouse that, hole it could be the thing that Fitz made uh, it may be sm- maybe that he made maybe he made a smaller version yeah maybe that's like the rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> alright well guys he compacted it we would love to talk about this movie all day really would but unfortunately we have to cut it, cut it, out, cut it off at this at this point I give this one a 5 out of 5 this was an awesome movie I thought we were going out of 10. All right, 10 out of 10. I never know what we're going out of. I never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, uh, I was, it was a blast, guys. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We are the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast in partnership with 45 Magazine and a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network. Um, you can find everything about us at mcucast.com dot com you can connect to us at facebook.com slash mcucast at mcucast on twitter and uh, mcucast at gmail.com on the email and if you'd like to call and leave us a voicemail to be played on one of the upcoming shows call 573-CAST-MCU if you want to find a 
similar podcast, uh, two guys chatting about the DC universe, check out the DC <laughs> On Screen podcast. Uh, they're a little similar. more cynical than us. Similar, but talking about inferior things. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But <laughs> how can you, they're a little they're, they're they're a little more cynical than us. I've had a few a few uh, people mention you you mentioned that podcast, but they don't have the same childlike love you guys do for the show. Uh, but you know that's uh, they've had a lot of hurt. They've in their had lives. a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain on the DC <laughs> side. They don't. His have name the... is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Freeze in hell, Batman! <laughs> You're not sending me to the cooler. <laughs> All right, guys. On that note, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, y'all have a great night. Uh, come hang out with us next week, and we'll be talking about 2012's Avengers. And as always. Chill. <laughs> Chill. <laughs>